Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Blake Street Irregulars, your live and local Rockies podcast. At least, you know, we record it live, brought to you by Tap 14. Tap 14, our friends down at 1920 Blake Street, just a hop, skip, and a jump from the home plate entrance at Coors Field. Rooftop bar, whether it's rain or shine, that's the place to be. 70 Colorado beers, 100 Colorado spirits, and a rotating Locally sourced menu by Chef Taylor Creedon. They do a great job there. Make sure you check them out at tap14.com. Spell it out, tap14.com. My name is Sean Drotar, and I am usually here with an array of people, hence the irregulars part. And in this case, uh, with me is my morning host at Mile High Sports. That's 1340 AM in Denver and 1047 FM as well. And you can always catch that streaming or on demand at Mile High Sports. TJ Carpenter, how are you doing, TJ? I'm doing great, Sean. And I have to second uh, what you said about Tap 14. It is an awesome setup, really cool bar up there on the rooftop. It's it's pretty great. So. I was actually there just a couple days ago for the Rockies' win over the Marlins. Uh, there were two uh, back-to-back wins by the Rockies. We saw them Tuesday, and then we saw them uh, Wednesday. They have today off as we record this Thursday. Three games are left in the season. They are all against the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's a little scary. This is yeah. a team that, uh, of course, is the best team in baseball, but they're not so far ahead that they've locked everything down because Cleveland, in its quest to only lose one game in a month, apparently, is, is now uh, somewhat on their tail. So for the Rockies, uh, they've put themselves in very good position winning those two in a row. Not that they've been astounding working their way up to it. It was almost a, a chance for them to blow it, but neither the Brewers nor the Cardinals could find a way to catch up. But as you look into this final series, and we know that both those teams pursuing the Rockies do play today, how do you see this shaping up for the Rockies? The, the Dodgers aren't necessarily going to go full speed ahead the whole series. For example, they could clinch uh, the home field all the way through, maybe even as early as tonight, with Clayton Kershaw expected to go on Saturday. Let's say the Dodgers do that. I suspect they still pitch Kershaw because you'd want to keep him on rhythm. But at the same time, maybe this is one of those where they put him in for 70 pitches and say, we're good, we don't care. Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on how it goes. I'm curious to see um, what the Dodgers do because I, I don't feel like they're going to put pedal to the gas necessarily. You know, they're not going to put um, they're not going to put a lot of effort into the series. But the Rockies, the Rockies will because like, they still have a lot to play for. Um, the Cardinals are ostensibly done because uh, they've only got one game left uh so if the rockies win one or if the cardinals lose one uh then they're done so the cardinals are a little bit desperate which i think helps you a little bit with milwaukee but those two teams are going to beat up on each other you just kind of hope that the cardinals win two out of three against the brewers because that'll really help you yeah the idea that we get sometimes is that okay if the dodgers have the lead they're not going to care at all well no because nobody wants to go into the playoffs on a skid uh, the dodgers are still going to want to play well they're still going to want things to to be good with their team and they're going to be happy setting everything up because the, the postseason for them won't start until significantly later uh, next week so i right. think they're going to want to play hard and the same thing with the cardinals even if they were to be eliminated let's face it the cardinals and the brewers are division rivals and you even if you're out, even if you miss it in the very last three games, you'd like to spoil that too. So I think the idea that these teams, whether they're eliminated or whether they have their playoff spot locked down or just going to cruise, I think historically that's not really how it works. It just means that sometimes, like in the case of the Dodgers, you might cut the number of pitches for certain players or maybe not start your stars on back-to-back days. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. I don't really know what the Dodgers are going to do. And to be honest, I, I don't really 
care necessarily because I, I don't think that this series is about them. You know what? Whatever happens with home field advantage happens, and so that's it's going to kind of play out the way it plays out. Um, but the Rockies have been hitting really, really well as of late, uh, and by as of late, I mean like the last couple of games. <laughs> yeah, that's um, it. Yeah, so I, I kind of expected that their offense would come back um, once they got back to Coors Field, and it has. Um, but I mean, once again, you don't really know when it's going to go away again. It could go away in Arizona, um, you know. So we'll. We'll see what happens there. I like their chances to make the postseason at this point. It, I would say what? I don't know what baseball prospectus has it at, but I would say it's around 90%. It, the, uh, yeah, there's about 95%, 95%. mathematically, but uh, Rockies fans know full well until it's 100, until they have that little letter <laughs> are next to their name when you look at the, the standings. Right. I don't think you count it for much of anything. But you are right. It wasn't that long ago when they finished that bad road trip against the Giants and the Padres in that case. Uh, it, against those two teams in the last two stops, losing four out of five and being shut out in three of those four games. But since that last shutout against the Padres, they finished the road trip with an 8-4 win and then come back. They lose 5-4 to four in the opener with the Marlins, but again, four runs. And mm-hmm. then six runs in the shutout against the Marlins that I attended, and then 15 runs against the Marlins after that. Yes, they gave up nine, but a lot of it was late. It was basically, right. if we were to say basketball, we'd call it garbage points. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the Rockies offense is back and clicking. Carlos Gonzalez, six for eight in the last two games. Yeah. Uh, Ian Desmond picking it up as well. You've mentioned this on the show we do in the mornings at Mile High Sports, that the Rockies pitching has been actually somewhat consistent not great we're not confusing them for the Dodgers and Kershaw or or Scherzer and company with the Nationals but for the Rockies probably as consistent and solid enough a rotation as they've probably ever had it was the offense that's been sketchy and and I think this is really throwing Rockies fans because they look at the offense as being the given but the funny thing is Offense is never a given, not no. for any team. No, never. And, you know, I think it's a good sign for them moving forward that Carlos Gonzalez is having the best month of the season uh, late because uh, you may be able to get the best of Cargo before he leaves, uh, which is uh, which is a really, really good sign for you if you want to make a postseason run. I've been very consistent about this because what I here's what I've learned about baseball because I grew up in Arkansas in the South. We had college baseball there, so we paid a lot of attention to the College World Series and things like that. But Major League Baseball isn't really a thing. It's kind of Cardinals country in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So you, you kind of follow it uh, as, as sort of an ancillary sport, but it's not a big deal. I moved to Kansas City, and that changes. And over the last five years of watching um, Major League Baseball – I have learned that it's a, that hitting is a lot like the weather. You know, if you're unhappy with the weather in the Midwest, wait a minute and it'll change. So, like, that's kind of how offense in baseball is. It's going to come, it's going to go, um, and I would say even more so than ever, it's feast or famine because of how offense has changed, the way guys hit the ball. You have one bat path, um, and if you, if you, if you, as a pitcher, you get into that bat path and a guy crushes it, it's going over the wall. There are more home runs this year than in any other year previously. Like it's just shattering uh, the regular season record for home runs. Um, there are more walks. So one of two things is essentially going to happen. Um, you're either going to strike out or you're going to hit a home run, which has kind of taken the defense out of baseball a little bit, which I don't like. Um, I would love to see because we love web gems. We love seeing Nolan Arenado make that great throw, make those great plays. Um, that's a really big part of the game that is being lost, um, but it is what it is at this point. So knowing that, 
you're going to have those moments. You're going to have two weeks where you don't hit. You're going to have a week where you're, you know, just knocking the cover off of the ball. It is by nature streaky and has become even more so because of the style change. The consistent in baseball, as it has always been, is pitching. And I think it's good that Tyler Anderson is now uh, pitching pretty well. I think it's good that Herman Marquez um, has been pitching well, although he has struggled uh, a little bit here late in the season. I was all on board with Herman Marquez starting the wild card game until like last week. Now it's got to be John Gray, <laughs> it doesn't it? It has to be and, John Gray. And Gray gets the, the the victory last night. It wasn't electric, still gave up three earned runs in, in the six innings that he was there. But but the strikeout to walk ratio has improved over the entire course of the season. Mm-hmm. He misses bats. And, and I think in a one-game series, that's what you need. You need to get the guy that misses bats and take your shot. And, and for the Rockies, I think that's clearly going to be John Gray. The bright side for the Rockies is because he pitched yesterday, he's actually on pace with with rest to start right at that wild card game. So that actually stacked up for the Rockies, who generally, when you're in the playoff chase like this, don't have the luxury of playing with your rotation. You don't yeah. have that opportunity. You have to kind of just win every game and, and deal with it. You can't do what the Dodgers are doing if they wanted to push someone back. They originally had uh, Clayton Kershaw pitching on Friday in yeah. Coors Field. They decided to push that back to Saturday. You can do that when you've clinched. Yeah. You can mess around with that sort of stuff. The Rockies don't have that luxury, but in this case, it stacks up for them. When we go back to the offense, one of the catches to me is the Stars are playing like Stars. 22 games thus far in September. Carlos Gonzalez has 11 doubles in those 22 games, 15 walks in those 22 games, five homers, 15 RBI, and he's batting a team leading 371 during that span. So this is one of those things that we've talked about. We've been waiting for it all year. If this is who Carlos Gonzalez is from here on out for the season, this is all of a sudden like adding an all-star late in the in in the process. So yeah. it, it's a very different look. Nolan Arenado hitting 306 in the month, six home runs. And then maybe the surprising one, Jonathan Lucroy, who seems to be completely rejuvenated playing with the Rockies. Not only has he hit the home run, not only is he hitting 314, but he has more walks than strikeouts this month. He's the only Rocky that can say that. In fact, he's the only Rocky that's even close. And that, to me, when the Rockies are getting ready for a postseason run, is maybe the most important thing. Because, as as you pointed out, there's sort of two outcome at bats now. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of the excitement out of baseball. It's funny, I kind of look at this the way I also need to be a tennis fan. And I know that doesn't overlap all that much. But tennis ran into the same sort of crisis a few years ago where everyone was using these composite rackets. The balls were pretty hard. Oh, power serve. And and everyone who could serve over about 125 miles an hour was ace, 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 ace. Or your rallies were one or two shots. And it took a lot of the fun out of it. But the truth is, if you could get that done, then you had a way to, to, to succeed. In the Rockies' case, if they can just get a few people on the base paths waiting for that big shot, they're a totally different offense. Yeah. And uh, in tennis, that's why Andy Roddick was number one in the world for like four minutes. Um, that's about right. Four minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was enough to land in Brooklyn Decker, so he'll take it. That's right. Uh, so, um, so yeah, like, I, I don't know how long this is going to last in baseball, but I do kind of, it is humorous to me. And I love Nate's passion on the morning show when it comes to the Rockies, but I disagree with him when he gets overly critical of Ian Desmond and Trevor Story for not being able to hit just by simple fact of the matter that who who's seven and eight hitters are like knocking the cover off the ball. Nobody like nobody has an offense like one through nine who's just incredible and there's no weak spots in the lineup. I would say as far as weak spots go, the Rockets are doing all right. 
He's like one through five. They're pretty solid. We know that Trevor Story is is a strikeout machine. He's hitting two. He's hitting only two fifty three on the month in the twenty six games he's played. Thirty one strikeouts to four walks. Yeah, that's bad. Five home runs, twenty RBI to lead the team in September. That's good. Again, yeah. coming from your seven <laughs> or eight guy, I, I think you can live with the fact that that Story is a guy that's going to swing for the downs. He's going to strike out a lot. But if you get guys in front of him. Every once in a while, when he connects with one, then you're in good shape. I want to take a look real quick at the back end of the bullpen. Uh, Before you coming into Denver, you covered the Royals. Mm -hmm. Greg Holland was the the uh, the guy at the back of the road, the back of that bullpen for the Royals during their championship run just a few years back. How much value does that bring to the Rockies to have someone who's not only been to the postseason recently, Mm -hmm. but won the whole thing, and especially when you're talking about the closer, the yeah. guy that's supposed to slam the door for you. I, I think that um, the differences between the Rockies now and the Royals in 2014, the last year Greg Holland was their closer, um, is that in tw- 2014 and then by extension in 2015, although 2014 was really that that amazing year. Right. They uh, actually had Cy Young votes that year. Right. Yeah. So 2014, they had Kelvin Herrera in the seventh inning who pitches over 100 miles an hour. They had Wade Davis in the eighth inning, who is now the Chicago Cubs closer, and you do not want to face him at any point in the postseason. Um, he's he's been the best closer in baseball this year. Um, and then in the ninth inning, and he, by the way, he can also throw over 100 miles an hour. And then they also had Greg Holland, who was their closer, who could also pitch over 100 miles an hour, and was that year he led the league in saves and was the best closer in baseball. And as you mentioned, the Cy Young votes. So. The Rockies don't have that. <laughs> they don't have that. So you, you're essentially you're not what the Royals did that made them special and what was able to make up for their lack of offense was the fact that if they got a lead, they were able to shorten the game by nine outs for their opponent. They got nine extra outs to work with. We saw the game. same thing with the Cleveland Indians uh, last year, who did an amazing when they had yes. Andrew Miller coming in. It almost felt as if if they were up in the sixth after the sixth inning, mm-hmm. lights out. Right, and I think you've got to do one of two things if you're the Rockies and you want to, once you get to the postseason, extend your you know your life, so to speak. And I think those two, one of those two things has to be either you've got to find your best one-inning pitchers and pitch them 7, 8, 9 and kind of hope. Like the Rockies don't have 100 mile an hour. They don't have three of them. They've got one in Greg Holland, and he's kind of – Still, he's still a, he's not what he was. Yeah, he's not he's still bringing that good. kind of heat that they do have some like in a Carlos Estevez, but the experience experience shows, and he he's gotten batted around with it. Right. So I I think that having a good closer who's been there has the experience really really helps, but you don't have the arsenal in the back end of of every game like the Royals did. But I do think that they could kind of sneak something in there that's that we don't see very often, which is you've got your starters, but you can also close a game out with a starter. And I, I wish that we would see that a little bit more because you've got guys on your team, let's say Armand Marquez, who do, he's got some stuff. What would prevent them, so to speak? Let's say they're getting they're they're getting enough from Tyler Anderson now that they feel like John Gray Anderson. That's how they want to go rotation wise, and then Armand Marquez can actually come in later, like the Giants did in several games in the postseason a couple of years with ago. Madison Bumgarner, with Madison Bumgarner, where they bring him in mid game. And he closes it out for him on multiple innings. I think that that's one 
somewhat realistic roadmap for the Rockies if they want to have some sustainable success in the postseason. And that's an interesting notion, especially when you talk about like the young guys there, because if starters this month, I mean, Anderson, as you pointed out, has been good. John Gray is four and one. Tyler Chatwood, uh, while having a, a couple of bad outings in general, is two and two with an area of 2.84 in the month. And these guys are, are all of at least in this case, you know, veteran pitchers who have pitched before, maybe not extraordinarily experienced, but experienced enough and certainly more so than Marquez or, or Kyle Freeland or Antonio Senzatella, guys that they needed. You generally do shorten that rotation to about three players. So I think that's interesting. But when you look at the back end of the bullpen, you're right. It's not all fireballers. But you have former closers in Jake McGee, who was an all-star closer with the Rays. Pat Neshek has been a top-tier closer. Mm -hmm. And then you hand that to Holland. The Rockies may very well be able to cobble something like that together, even though you don't necessarily blow someone out. Right. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to be blowing people out. So we've seen we've seen moments where they they can put up 14, 15 runs, but that stuff goes away in the postseason. I mean, we know that. Um, although the Rockies maybe in their current incarnation. I wanted to ask you this because I think this is one of the things that I'm kind of having a hard time wrapping my head around here is the, I, I know obviously in football, the Broncos get a lot of credit for being a franchise of success, not just a team who's had success in, in various years with different rosters. But uh, like people don't seem to realize that when a roster changes and there's turnover, those people have no connection with the people who won previously. And here in Colorado, I feel like the stigma is the opposite with the Rockies. Like, oh, they're doomed to fail. And I look at this roster and I think to myself, well, they got plenty. They they got a lot of young pitchers. They got guys who don't necessarily understand the the previous late season failures of the franchise. So they should be able to go out there and do it and get it done. I'm not nearly as worried because I've I have never experienced it, and I don't look at this roster and think, oh, this is a roster that's snake bitten because these players have failed me before. I don't look at them that way, especially not because their pitching is young. Their pitching has not had failure uh, to their resume. Some of them are, are younger than the franchise itself. I mean, I, right. I think you're right. And when you look at the, the players that maybe have been through those fades, Charlie Blackman, Nolan Arenado, Carlos Gonzalez, well, right now they're all playing like all-stars. Yeah, Two of them, Blackman well. and Arenado, are playing like MVPs. Yeah. So I, I think that's a really good point. It, it's, uh, let's, as we kind of wrap this up, let's, let's preview this Dodgers series. What would you like to see? Let, let's presume that they win one of three, and I know this is a terrible presumption. I'm jinxing them, but but let's say they find a way to sneak into the wild card game, one way or the other, somehow. What would you see in this Dodgers series that would make you feel positive about it? And what would you expect to see from this Dodgers series if you saw it, you'd feel pretty negative about it? So they're making it into the wild card regardless, hypothetically. And I'm and okay. If you're right. saying what, yeah. what coming into a coming into a wild card game, yeah. What would you like to see from a Dodgers series that says, okay, they're peaking yeah. at the right time, they're ready to go, and what would you look at and say, uh-oh, this is a problem? Yeah, they limit the Dodgers to three runs or fewer in each game. Um, so if they limit... The Dodgers? Yeah, if they shut their offense up. Wow. That's going to well, make yeah, me feel, feel great. great about it. Right, yeah. So, at Coors well, Field? Yeah. <laughs> okay. If they, if they can limit that offense at Coors Field to, uh, you know, four, I'll say four, because uh, I guess that's a, that's a little bit closer to the average. Um, four runs or fewer from the Dodgers in each of these final three games. That would make me feel really good about the Rockies going into the postseason. Um, if they win some high-scoring games here, um, or if they just have high-scoring games in general or give up a lot of runs, I am, I'm not feeling good about their prospects at all. 
Like and you know you. So the the shootout win like we saw against the Marlins, that's something where you're going to feel bad about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, although, as you mentioned, those runs were late, and I kind of you, you always have to take that into context when they scored those runs. Game was in hand. Um. So I yeah. It, still though, if once again you got to watch if they're letting if they're giving up runs if their starters are giving up runs, I I will be very concerned dodgers by the way if you're curious have six players in their lineup with more than 20 home runs on the season <laughs> led by cody bellinger's 39 so uh, oh, much like we've man. talked about the rockies not a lot of soft spots no. in, in that lineup so that's uh that's going to be quite the, the the road to walk there for right the but rockies. you don't need to shut them up for a season just three games which is doable that's that's not the it's not unheard of to see a really good team like that it will be fun to watch. Here we go for the first time in almost a decade, uh, really, that the, the Rockies are going into the final weekend of the regular season, uh, being able to look at this and, and make an honest-to-goodness playoff run. They've been in playoff position all but one day of the regular season. So it feels like this is something the Rockies not only need to get done, but it feels like a, maybe a maturing of a franchise, as you pointed out, yeah. maybe breaking off some of the stigma that they're always going to if, fade. If there's a playoff game at Coors Field, will you be there? Yeah, if there's a playoff game at Coors Field, yeah, yeah that means they're going to so have to get into the wild, the wild card. card. They're going to have to knock Arizona off, and then you will have divisional league playoffs in Denver, and hopefully it gets a little bit warmer than it's been all week here in the 40s and rainy, but uh, who knows? I guess that keeps the power down a little bit, too. Are we going to have a Woodstock situation where a bunch of people claim they went to that game but actually didn't? Uh no, nah, not the first one. Only if they okay. end up winning it and it's dramatic. Like uh, if it's okay. game five, then, right. then then you absolutely okay. get that. Oh, right. I do remember. There's like seven million people who swore they were at like game seven of the World Series. Right. And, and about half the residents of Colorado, as far as I can tell, were at that play-in game in 2007 where Matt Holiday <laughs> right. slid into the plate against the Padres and, by the way, manager Bud Black. So uh, we'll be on top of that. Uh, make sure you tune in at Mile High Sports Radio, 1340 AM, 104.7 FM in the morning, 7 to 9 AM locally. TJ, myself, and Nate Lundy. You can follow TJ, by the way, on Twitter, and you should, at TJ Carpenter Show. You can follow me at Estrotar. That's S-D-R-O-T-A-R. We'll have everything for you. Uh, not only as the series starts, but after the series ends uh, on Monday, we'll be back uh, with reaction to that one way or another. Hope Hopefully it's a positive one. Uh, you might run into a situation where the Colorado Rockies might even bump a Broncos Raiders game off the front page of the sports in Denver. That what? would be unbelievable. But hey, when it happens once every 10 years or so, I guess that's <laughs> what happens. So make sure that you visit our friends when they're in town this weekend. Make sure that our visitor friends at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street, just right down the street. Easy to get to. Pre-game, post-game, you name it. 70 Colorado beers, 100 Colorado distilled spirits. And a delicious menu. The rooftop is open no matter the weather. I've gone there in the dead of winter before. They just closed this uh, nice glass garage door so much that actually last time I was there, I actually had to open it even though it was snowing. Oh, so cool. you will be warm. It will be fun. And it's the, it's the most fun rooftop bar in Colorado. So visit them at tap14.com for more. Spell that out, tap14.com. For TJ, I'm Sean. We'll be back next week with hopefully... A playoff preview. Can you believe it? This has been the Blake Street Irregulars on Mile High Sports.